This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. By now, most of us have seen and heard the heartbreaking clips of crying children at the U.S. border being separated from their migrant parents as they are arrested for illegally entering the United States. It's hard to listen to. Well, there they are crying for their mothers and fathers. As you heard in Bob's news, nearly 2,000 children have been placed in holding facilities which some people have described as cages while their parents face prosecution. That has led to a huge chorus of condemnation abroad and domestically from Democrats and Republicans alike who say that innocent children should not be used as pawns. The Trump administration is ducking responsibility, actually blaming the Democrats, uh, though that is patently untrue. Here at home, the NDP, as you also heard, is demanding that Canada cancel the safe third country agreement with America. Under that agreement, refugee claimants who land in the U.S. first must make their claim there and cannot make it here. So far, Justin Trudeau has said that he will not play politics with that situation. And of course, all of this comes as Canada faces a growing problem of migrants and refugees crossing into the country illegally. Want to hear from you on this. Do you agree that this uh, zero tolerance policy in the U.S. separating the children from their parents is uh, cruel, inhuman? Numbers to call are 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And right now, we are going to Giddy Mammon, who is an immigration lawyer, and Janet Dench, the executive director of the Canadian Council for Refugees. Thank you both for joining us. You're welcome. Okay, uh, Giddy, let's start with you. What's your reaction to this? Well, I find it always interesting how we're so concerned about what's going on in the United States, and we're not so concerned as much as, what, as what's going on here. You know, I've been practicing law for 30 years, and a lot of the work that I do is in detentions. And I've seen kids, not only migrant kids, refugee claimant kids, but I've seen Canadian citizen children being held in detention centers. And those are kids who simply don't have anywhere else to go, so they're put into the detention center with their parents who have no status. So I understand how the public must be uh, furious to hear uh, of children crying like the clip that you played. But I've been hearing those same cries for 30 years, and I don't hear anybody saying, you know, uh, maybe we should find some alternative to, det- to detaining kids. Um, the other thing is that for the last 30 years, I've also seen uh, our government deporting parents uh, who are without status, 
And those people have Canadian-born children, often more than one. And our government does not uh, hesitate to deport the parents, even though there is a clear path for them to return to Canada under a spousal sponsorship or some other form. But they do that to make sure that our program has integrity, as they like to call it. And so I see kids seeing their fathers or their mothers deported, and they are separated. So I, I understand the sympathies for Canadians, because we're, we're, we're nice and generous people and kind and compassionate people. But I think we also need to look at our own backyard and see the mess that we have dealing with children and how our policies relate to them. Um, yeah, just before we move on to Janet, the, the difference is that here we are, uh, we are putting children in detention, but we're not separating them from their parents forcibly. And with the Canadian-born children, I gather that they do have a choice. They can go back with their parents or remain here. Right. Correct. So if, if you believe the Attorney General for the uh, United States or the uh, Secretary for Homeland Security, their position is that they're not detaining kids uh, whose parents are identifiable. They are only detaining kids who they believe their identity needs to be established. And that is actually a wise um, a policy because you, if you have doubts that the person who is carrying the children might not be the parents of that child, you need to protect that child. Sometimes there are foster agencies, child welfare agencies who can hold them, and sometimes there is not. What is being triggered now, this crisis is being triggered, is that there has been a very dramatic change in the enforcement of the law. The law has been there for years. It's not a democratic law, a Democrat law. It's a law that was passed by Congress and rarely enforced. But now what they're saying is everyone who crosses the border without status, without documentation, is going to be prosecuted. And because they're going to a criminal facility for, while they're waiting trial, somebody has to deal with the children. But uh, that's the reason why we're seeing it now. There hasn't been any change in law or anything like that. Uh, and we always need to protect the children if we believe that they're being smuggled by people who don't, uh, are not related to them in some way. Yeah, that's a, a good clarification. Uh, Janet, what's your take on this situation? Well, I think that uh, pretty much everybody uh, feels a moral revulsion at uh, the sorts of uh, tape that you were showing, uh, playing earlier on. Um, I'd like to also kind of put it in the context of uh, international law. And, uh, you know, so the Refugee Convention provides a legal framework, which uh, pretty much every country in the world, uh, or at least the U.S. and, and Canada, subscribe to as being uh, the basic minimum of how we need to treat refugees. And what the U.S. is doing is, is violating that law. Uh, as Giddy mentioned, they are prosecuting uh, people for uh, illegal entry. And the Refugee Convention specifically prohibits uh, you from uh, prosecuting people who are uh, seeking refugee status. This is something that Canada has written into its law, uh, its Im the Immigration Refugee but Protection But my Act. understanding was they're, they're prosecuting people who are not coming in through the recognized border points. Yes, and that's uh, that's uh, written and into the law. And the, the Refugee Convention uh, was adopted, of course, in uh, 1951. And uh, we can think back to uh, the context there just after the end of the Second World War, where millions of Jews died in part because countries like Canada uh, closed their doors to, to, uh, to them. So uh, a Jewish uh, uh, European who was fleeing the Nazis could not enter Canada illegally. And it's in that context that 
the country said, look, we should not prosecute people because when you're a refugee, your life is at stake and you may need to cross the border irregularly. You can't be expected to line up for a visa, which you probably won't get, or to line up uh, at places where you're going to be turned away. You may need to cross the border irregularly and you should not be prosecuted for it. And so what right, the U.S. But, is uh, doing is violating those You can make a refugee claim at an official border point, right, Giddy? Uh, yes. Uh, Yes and no. At our Canadian border point, it's a little bit different because we have an agreement with the United States, a safe third country agreement, and uh, we recognize both each other as safe. So the agreement says that if you approach at a a port, um, if you land in the United States first, for example, you've got to make your claim there. And if you come into Canada first, you've got to make your claim there. Uh, you You can't go to the second one if you fail in the first country. So what they did is they passed that agreement, but it only applies to people who go to the port of entry. Right. So uh, to, you, you can simply avoid the safe third country agreement by going through a hole in the fence, and that's, and that's what's going on. Um, it, it's also, I, I think you have to be very, very careful about looking at this purely in the refugee context. Right now, the United States is seeing about 38,000 people cross the southern border per month. So that means in a year, at this rate, they're going to look at about 456,000 people entering the United States, uh, either undocumented uh, or um, uh, with, with insufficient documentation. And I think what the government is trying to do is, is stop these numbers of co- uh, coming in and create a deterrent effect uh, by enforcing the law uh, very strictly. Now, to assume that all of those people qualify for convention refugee status Uh, is a huge leap of faith. Uh, Many of them are simply uh, economic migrants, and then admittedly many of them may qualify for for convention refugee status. But when they enter the country, they are merely refugee claimants. They are claiming that they are fearing persecution in their country of nationality. Uh, That is yet to be established, but uh, uh, Janet is absolutely correct that our system is a little bit different. When you're making a refugee claim in Canada, you cannot be prosecuted for that, uh, for any documentation offenses. But in the United States, uh, interestingly enough, uh, you can, and you could have a conviction on your record, even if later on you are found to be a convention refugee. So that risk doesn't happen in Canada. So the United States has some catching up to do. And uh, in the midst of all this, we here in Canada are also having a problem with people crossing illegally, people who are migrants uh, and then uh, trying to claim refugee status. And uh, in 2017, it was uh, the highest number in decades. The number of asylum claims was over 46,500. That's right. I think think what's happening here is both the Canadian government and the United States uh, government are facing unprecedented numbers of refugee claimants and economic migrants. And uh, the day of reckoning has come for the United States uh, with the election of Donald Trump. There's no question about it. He is determined uh, to stop the flow and to build a a border barrier uh, with Mexico. In Canada, uh, our government has not yet decided uh, that they are going to try to stem the flow. In fact, what they're doing is they're accommodating the flow. They're establishing infrastructure at uh, non, um, uh, non, 
uh, ports of entry, areas that are essentially the holes in the fence to actually accommodate uh, the increasing numbers. When, when, the government, when our own government is going to uh, start to deal with the problem of numbers, um, who knows? But I, I believe it's not going to be too long from now. I, I don't quite agree with that. I mean, they haven't uh, prevented them at uh, the point of arrival, but before arrival, the government of Canada is certainly intervening to try to prevent people or discourage people from coming up to the border. And in fact, the numbers of people claim, uh, crossing over at Roxham Road has, has gone down quite a bit in, since the, the middle of the month of uh, May. Uh, so the numbers uh, tend to fluctuate, and that's something that's quite normal about refugee claims. Uh, in the last few years, we had a really very, very low numbers of claimants. So when the numbers started going back up again in 2016 and 2017, it, it attracted a lot of attention. Uh, but I think we, we should bear in mind that it is kind of normal for numbers to go up and down. And the people that are coming uh, now, some of them are, are people who uh, really had Canada as their destination from the beginning, but some of them are people who um, may have been in the United States and may be thinking of or even having made an asylum claim in the U.S., but who lost confidence that the U.S. was going to be a safe country for them uh, with all of the uh, developments that are coming. And I think uh, that your listeners can, can sympathize uh, what person in the U.S. With, with children would feel like they're going to be safe making a refugee claim in the U.S., when uh, the policy is deliberately separating children from their parents. Well, it's uh, it seems that uh, Donald Trump uh, wants to use that to get what he wants in immigration reform. Let's take a call from Alex in Toronto. Hi, Alex. Hi. Good afternoon. I'm. Uh, you know what? I, I think quite honestly, there's a lot of people who should be thanking Donald Trump because he's really allowing them to self-actualize and uh, pontificate and be righteously self-indignant and feel better about themselves and superior to many Americans. Um, Here's the deal. Personally, um, these people are coming into the United States illegally. Most of them, I would posit, are not what you would consider convention refugees. They are economic refugees. And there's only something that can be taken. If you don't bring children with you when you are illegally entering the United States... They will not be put into the detention. Right, but but is is doing that with small children, Alex? Let them go back. Alex, uh, is is taking a a small child under the age of four away, crying from its parents? Is is that a way to deal with it? Well, first, is that humane? Prove to me that that's their parent. And second of all, why does nobody have any concern when an American or Canadian is arrested for some sort of crime who has a child? and is taken from them. And if there is no family, they're put into foster care. Now, that's not a detention center, but it's still ripping families apart because a parent or an adult has committed a crime. Why is that not an issue, but all of a sudden at the border, oh, no, 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 this is a, a, human, a crisis of humanity. Okay, so I take it that you think that's, that policy is fine? It's- I have no problem with the policy. What I would do, personally is I would just turn them all back. I would say, you know what, we're not going to put you in detention. We're not going to put the child in detention. All of you are, here's lunch. You're getting put on a bus. And you're getting put back across the border. And there you go. Okay, Alex, thanks for that. 
Uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, backlash against that. Uh, it, it's interesting to me that in the United States, even a lot of Republicans are really uh, reacting to this. And we've seen Ted Cruz, who was not exactly a uh, bleeding heart liberal, uh, propose emergency legislation. Giddy, what do you make of that? I think it's a lot of politicking. And, and the reason why is because um, really nothing has changed except the law is being enforced. Uh, Ted Cruz knew that you could charge people with unlawful entry to the United States. He, he's been around the track a long time. Uh, he has a, a president that is very unpopular with certain circles. There are children crying. It makes great, uh, uh, great uh, news. Uh, and I think he's taking advantage of that situation. What needs to happen in the United States, uh, they need to catch up with Canada in one respect. The problem that they have in Canada is that uh, there is no way really to settle uh, people who are there for many years uh, without status. Uh, we in Canada have this humanitarian and compassionate program uh, under Section 25 of our uh, legislation, uh, which says that if a person's been here for a long time, uh, you could, if you want, grant them permanent residence uh, owing to, uh, you know, humanitarian compassionate factors. The United States doesn't have that. So you're going to get a lot of people who are going to be um, separated from their children uh, by simply enforcing deportation laws. People who, Mexicans, uh, people from Guatemala, Ecuador, who are living in the United States for many years and who are going to be deported. There's no question about that. So the fact that there is a child crying today over the enforcement of this particular policy does not answer the overarching problem that the United States has 11 million people and growing who are out of status and they don't know what to do with them and the Democrats and the Republicans are not sitting down and coming up with a reasonable solution. Okay. Uh Janet, I know that uh, you have to go as we continue our conversation. What would you like to leave us with on this? Well, I hope that um, most Canadians uh, feel that we want uh, an immigration and refugee program that is um, orderly and also humane and that obeys the, the higher laws, which are uh, the international human rights laws, but also moral standards that we, at the end of the day, will feel comfortable with. Okay, Janet, thank you for that. We are continuing our conversation. We have uh, at least a few minutes left. Let's uh, take a call from Tom in Burlington. Hello, Tom. Good morning, or good afternoon. Good afternoon. Once again, I love your show. Thank you. You know, it's kind of ironic when people are listening to this. I come from immigrant descent. My parents are immigrant to this country, along with probably about 98% of the people. And I live Mine in too. My parents and were actually refugees, displaced persons. Exactly. And, you know, it was the worst thing you could call somebody back then was to call them a DP. And now they're, they're locking up all these people in the U.S. and separating the women, the men, and the children. The last time anybody did that was in Europe during the late 30s and early 40s. And we know about that little Bavarian corporal. But nonetheless, these people want to immigrate to North America. Why can't they file paperwork like everybody else does instead of coming in and hoping they'll get a free ride? No one's telling them no, but do it the right way. 
Uh, it, it's well, first of all, I, I would hardly call it a, a free ride and it's hard to know what the circumstances are. But but you're right. There are a lot of people who are economic migrants yep. uh, who want to come here and who, I guess, figure that they would not get in the legitimate way. And they they do this. But the 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 question right in front of us is, is it the right thing to take it out? on their children no absolutely not if anything ship them back have them fill out the proper paperwork that will be provided at a consulate and then you can come into the country but the way they're all sneaking in it's like why and they're paying people to get them to the border and they're paying big money they're paying big money and and those people are uh the scum of the earth Uh, exactly Tom, thanks for your call. Thank uh, you. Let's take a call from Mark in Herbsville. Mark, uh, you think uh, this Trump policy is a good thing? Well, I, I, it's, not, it's not that I'm saying it's a good thing, but think people have to understand what's really going on, I think, too. Uh, uh, tra- child trafficking is a terrible thing, and it's, it's, it's rampant. And you don't know what's going on with these children and the people. If I had children and I wanted to immigrate to another country, I would do it legally because I have children. I want them to see how you do things properly. When people immigrated here from this after the Second World War, they didn't try and sneak in. Everyone did it properly. And this is what we're missing. Uh, all these gang members and that, people that we can't vet, get, get through the cracks, and then we have trouble. We have trouble, and it's going to be our families that will suffer. And if you do the math on how many people are going to get in, pretty soon you can't afford it. Okay, Mark, thanks for that. Giddy, uh, what's your take on what you hear our callers saying? Well, I, I think we all want to be compassionate. Uh, you know, my, uh, my wife's family uh, are survivors from the Holocaust. My father-in-law was in a concentration camp. My, my mother-in-law lost all of her sisters, her parents. I understand, uh, you know, uh, very well what it is to want to help people in need. Uh, a lot of the people that we're talking about, the economic migrants, uh, you know, uh, I think it was uh, Tom or Mark who said, uh, well, why don't they just go to the consulate and apply? Well, very simply, a person who speaks only Spanish, who may only have, uh, you know, maybe high school education or, or less, and uh, who's in his 40s or something, has no chance of qualifying for Canadian or American immigration. So this is what they resort to to help their families. And I, and I don't necessarily blame them. But then again, I can't necessarily blame Canada or the United States for wanting to enforce law and order. We're, we're, we're supposed to be a country of peace, order, and good government. If you want to come in, you apply, and we get to choose if you, if you stay or if you go. Uh, right now, the Attorney General and the, the, the Secretary of Homeland Security are saying publicly that kids are only being detained when there is a question as to uh, their identity or the identity of their pe- the people who are accompanying them. For the time being, I have no reason to doubt that. And if they're doing that uh, now um, to make sure these kids aren't being trafficked, in my opinion, that's good. But to try to blame or to force, um, you know, hardship on a child, um, you know, for the sins of their parents, uh, I'm not sure I would like that, but I'm not sure yet that we have all the facts. I'm not sure that the statistics are telling us, in fact, who are these kids that are being detained, whether they're, uh, they're just being used as pawns uh, or not. Well, and keep in mind that the message is out there in the, in the migrant world that if you go to the United States 
with a child, you're not going to be detained. Uh, everyone's going to be reaching for the nearest child to accompany them to the U.S. border. And that's also something that policymakers have to think about. And, I, and, and if I could give the American government any uh, advice, just sit down, the Democrats and the Republicans, and start working on comprehensive immigration reform, solve the problem for the DACA kids, solve the problem for the people who were granted uh, temporary protected status, the TPS people, uh, and certainly figure out a way of uh, dealing with, um, you know, with new arrivals at the border in a way that is going to be humane for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just uh, I find it hard to see how a tiny child crying mama and papa is faking that. Oh, no, the child is genuine. He's upset. The, the child is genuine, like one of the callers said. It's also upset when his father goes to jail for drug trafficking. Right. Uh, and, and is also here the Canadian child who's separated from his parents is also upset. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, if you are going to have immigration laws, then you, you have to enforce those laws. And if you don't believe in borders anymore, if we as a society say, listen, everyone is welcome, uh, then terrific. Then just pass the law that we do away with the border and border enforcement and immigration policy, and that's fine. But we have to make that decision. That decision can't be made for Canadians uh, by others. Okay, let's uh, take one more call. Patrick in East York. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. Go ahead. I'm a first-time caller. Oh, wait. The bell. And I enjoy your program very, very much. There you go. You got your first-time bell. Go ahead. Thank you. Um... My comments about Trump is, I mean, this guy is a con man. He's a hypocrite. He was the one who was using illegal immigrants for all his contracts. And in the end, he never even paid the contractors. He should realize his wife is also an immigrant. I mean, these people are coming here. They're not coming to sell drugs or anything. You can tell they're being beaten up over there. They're being mobbed by the gangs and and raped and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's separating kids from their parents, grabbing a child from a mother who's being nursed. I mean, this guy has no compassion, nothing at all. There's no policy that he's come up with that's made any sense to me or any of my uh, friends who, who don't support him. You know, this guy, he comes out with the tax reform, which is everything for the rich, and the poor are still, you know, low wages, and they're trying to make ends meet. I, I don't understand. And, you know, they, he has a lot of hypocritical Republicans who are sitting back over there. They know he's doing wrong. They're sitting back because all they're doing is trying to line their pockets and hoping for votes. That's all my comment is. Okay, Patrick, thanks for that. Uh, and Giddy, uh, what would you like to leave us with? And, and do you think that this uh, is going to stop, that this international and domestic outcry is going to stop the, that particular zero tolerance that, that, that uh, has led to the pictures we've been seeing? Uh, from what I've learned of Donald Trump, he's a very persistent person who doesn't really care about uh, political pressure. He's going to continue in this direction until the will of the Democrats is broken and they sit down at the table. It's only a, it's only a matter of time. My concern is a little bit different. Um, I, I think that the g- good people, Canadians and Americans, 
are willing to be helpful and compassionate. But there is compassion fatigue. And the worst thing that you want to see is that our refugee system becomes a problem for the public, where they no longer support it. If confidence in our refugee system uh, creeps in to um, uh, the public debate, that is going to be a very serious threat to genuine refugees. It's very, very important that people have confidence in the system and they support the system and they believe in the system because actually it is a, it is a charitable system. It is a humanitarian system. And so if, the, if we feel like people are going into our pockets and taking our money away from us, we're going to react negatively. If we feel we're in control of the situation and we spend our dollars for the, 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 those programs and those people who we want, then that policy, I think, will be a safe one. So I think our governments have to be very realistic and say, look, that there is a certain tolerance uh, for refugee intake, and we better not exceed it because once the Canadian or American public feels like they're out of control, that they're not in the control of the situation, then I think there's going to be a very negative backlash, and we are going to go back to those days when, unfortunately, we may be saying none is too many again, and that would be a very, very dark day in the Canadian chapter of immigration. Okay. Giddy Mammon, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.